welcome to Don't Call Me a Guru. I am your host, Linda Huang, and today we are talking all about social media and the fringe, uh, social media in theater, social media in arts. Uh, Don't Call Me a Guru is recording at Nate's radio studio in Edmonton, Alberta, and we are a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ACB Financial. If you like what you're listening to, please listen to our past episodes and rate this podcast. I'm excited to get right into the conversation today. Our guest is Megan Dart. She is a professional writer, producer, publicist, playwright, uh, and in the main context of this conversation, communications specialist with Fringe Theater. So Megan manages content creation for the largest, longest running Fringe Festival in North America, which is pretty cool. So Megan, I just uh, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for being Thank here. Um, and I just wanted to start for listeners who don't know. Uh, could you could you talk about what the Edmonton Fringe is, uh, when it's happening? what can people expect, and what's new this year? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So we are this year celebrating the 38th annual Edmonton International Fringe Theatre Festival. We are the largest, longest-running fringe festival in North America, and we're actually one of the top five worldwide. Um, So each year we welcome more than 1,600 artists from around the world who perform um, tons of shows over the course of 11 days. Our festival is unjuried and uncensored, which means artists of all stripes, whether they're emerging or established, um, can try their hand at creating theater. Um, New this year, I like every year, I'm like, we can't possibly grow any larger. (laughs) And then we do. Last year, we had 227 shows in the festival. This year, we've grown to 264. Wow. That's amazing. Do you have more venues? Are you squeezing everyone in the same? Um, I don't know the exact number, but I think we're over 50 venues this year. That's amazing. Um, A wild. So, so yeah, it's exciting. It's big. It's coming fast. Um, You know, we take over old Strathcona August 15th to 25th this year. What's the, uh, you said wild. Can you talk about the theme, the theme this year? (laughs) I'm excited about the theme this year. Um, So this year's theme is where the wild things fringe. Um, And our theme is decided on um, by fringers. So every year in September, we open up the voting process. Uh, Anyone is welcome to submit their theme ideas. It goes through a rigorous voting process. And then typically in the new year, we decide um, on the theme. And then we we go away and we sort of work our creative magic on what that can be. But um, I think this year, the theme is just bringing a ton of... um, imagination and nostalgia and I'm really excited about the idea of wearing my max onesie to work every day during the festival. <laughs> like this totally counts and you got a crown on yeah. your head you're good. <laughs> so can you talk about how the fringe is using social media and digital marketing um, to not only support the event that happens in August uh, but but year-round because you know the fringe the fringe is around uh, all year right so so what are what's I guess, what are the approaches uh, to social? Um, Honestly, we are as about grassroots as it gets when it comes to social media and digital marketing. Um, As a charitable organization, our marketing budget is actually really, really quite small. Um, So we focus on using our social channels to the fullest of their capacity um, to help tell our stories. Um, Of course, we are planning and promoting the festival all year long, so social becomes really important when it comes to just keeping the Fringe Festival top of mind. Um, But as you mentioned, we also produce a full season of theater throughout the year. So we have our own season, which this year we've lovingly dubbed as the off season. There's sort of this like hilarious myth that 
um, the fringe rides off into the sunset when the festival is over and we pop up again in in the following (laughs) August. But the truth is um, our building is busy 365 days a year. We have more than 500 events that happen in our building. Um, We are sort of a a community hub of creativity throughout the year. So it gives us lots to talk about. (laughs) No shortage of content. Totally. They're never (laughs) quiet. How are you? um, So what 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 are the fringes important social media platforms that you're on? Uh, and, and how are you using them? Are there differences? Are there different audiences? Uh, do, you, do you have different approaches depending on, on what you're sharing and where? Totally. So um, we, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter primarily. Um, we had a very short dalliance with Snapchat, but found that that wasn't quite the right fit for our organization at this time. Um, Instagram is our youngest platform by far. We are just approaching about 4,000 followers on that platform. But um, through Instagram, we really use it to show our audiences um, our brand and our personality, what's happening through high quality images. Um, one of the things that we're doing right now is we're sort of working in uh, rules of three on our feed. So oh, nice, um, nice. that post three images of a specific event or a happening in our building, um, just to sort of tell that story, because I think that um, every time you come into our house, it's an experience mm-hmm. and we like that through our, our Instagram. Um, we really try and stay away from the like, buy tickets, come see a show, like the sales pitch on our Instagram. It's more just about brand building and personality. Right. Um, Twitter, of course, where it's direct engagement for us. It's an ongoing conversation. Um, it's also a place where we really connect with other French festivals across the world. So we are part of... Um, the Canadian Association of Fringe Festivals um, now is the height of, of fringe season. So we have touring artists who are going from festival to festival who will join us in August. So um, we do a lot of networking with other fringe festivals. Um, and of course, it's just an awesome opportunity for us to connect directly with our, our followers. Um, we tend to be a little more relaxed and funny and um, cheeky on Twitter than I think we do on our other platforms. But um, <laughs> It's just a fun way for us to, to uh, share our personality. And then Facebook this year, we're really, really focusing on using that as a platform to tell our story. This is where we're really encouraging our followers to get involved, to engage in conversation with us, and to share their fringe story. Um, you know, there's, um, if, if I've learned anything in my few years being here, it's that um, there is a, a true passion and investment in fringe. So, Megan, how has social media for the Fringe evolved over the years? So, you know, you don't have a there's not a huge marketing budget. um, And obviously, social media didn't exist years ago. (laughs) But uh, you've been been around for so so many years. Um, What uh, what role does social media play within the Fringe's uh, marketing now today? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I first joined the team back in 2015. And at that time, our channels remained relatively dormant in sort of our off-festival months. Um, and so we would really only see them come alive during um, uh, the festival itself, which, of course, meant that our engagement was dropping off and that we sort of had to sort of rebuild that relationship with our followers during the festival. Um, and so I think, if anything, the biggest evolution has just been keeping our channels busy and keeping Fringe top of mind. Um, when I also joined, we had a really corporate tone, which <laughs> quite honestly was so counterintuitive to who we are as an organization. 
Um, we are a lively bunch of theater-loving, theater-creating weirdos who just care <laughs> about the organization so much. Um, we have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot. We swear sometimes. We drink beer. Um, but most of all, we really love Fringe and the community who supports it. So um, back in December, I pulled together our entire team, our executive director, our artistic director, our technicians, our front of house staff. Um, and fed them a bunch of candy and beer and basically just asked them to tell me who the fringe is from their perspective. Perfect. And together we sort of personified the fringe. So if the fringe were a person, how would they dress? How would they talk? Um, what would their favorite foods be? How would they engage with the community? Um, and from there we built out what I lovingly call our fringe manifesto of tone and voice. Love it. <laughs> I love yeah, it. <laughs> sort of this like super ballsy, bold, loud reclamation of who we are and where we got our start, um, but while also looking toward the future. And so with that, it's really sort of changed the way that we engage with our platforms and engage with our audience. It's also given us the freedom to be more of the creative, freewheeling organization that we actually are. Right. Um, and I think because of that, our personality is starting to shine through on our social channels more than it ever has before. And it's starting to become reciprocal. We're seeing our audience share that same sort of energy and vibe with us, which is really exciting. So um, it's just really moving us toward more of a storytelling approach instead of an information pushing approach. Um, one of the biggest traps I think we fall into is the fact that we have so much information to share with so many audiences. Right. So, you know, we engage with um, fringers who come to the festival and engage with us there. But we also communicate with our volunteers and our artists and our community partners. And so, um, you know, it's, it's sort of an interesting communications conundrum in that we really are everything to everyone, <laughs> which is like the thing that everyone tells you. That Everyone's you like, don't do that. That's yeah, bad. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, except we are. We actually are. And, uh, <laughs> So it's, it's hard to sort of pinpoint um, how best to communicate. But we find that just by telling stories and being ourselves and sort of highlighting um, ultimately the passion that drives this place, I think, is, is the thing, the key um, that's building our success on our social channels for sure. Yeah. How, um, you know, you, you, you nailed down personifying the account in December um, you're, you've switched to a more year round, uh, engagement and content approach versus just during the actual festival. Um, I'm wondering how much of what the fringe shares on a day to day or week to week basis is, uh, pretty well set, um, in advance or spontaneous or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I'll let you answer. I feel like I, I feel like based <laughs> on the fringes personality, I think I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I would be lying if I told you that we weren't sometimes flying by the seat of our pants. <laughs> um, and that's just because event planning is such, like it's spontaneous by nature, right? right? So we have to be able to respond in the moment. Um, and the most fun thing is that a lot of our best stories are um, born in the moment. Um, so we always make sure that we're leaving space 
in our social media scheduling to take hold of those stories that just sort of crop up naturally. Now, that's not to say that heading into festival, we aren't scheduling our channels like crazy. Right. Um, you know, we have so much information that we need to share throughout the festival, how to buy tickets, how to navigate the grounds while you're here, shouting out our artists, making sure that we're giving lots of love to our volunteers, to mm -hmm. our vendors. Um, so a lot of that content gets scheduled out in advance, but then, um, yeah, a lot of what we generate um, is, is quite spontaneous. And I think that's where the fun personality gets to shine through. So for sure. Are you, um, are you using, you know, you mentioned Snapchat as an experiment and, and Instagram's kind of your newest sort of channel. Uh, yeah. is, is it important for, for you and the fringe to be experimenting with different type of content? Um, like, like, are you doing live streams or are you, you know, are you using Instagram yeah. stories, that sort of thing? Yeah. 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 We're doing all of those. Things. <laughs> And, and with varying levels of success too, you know, we find that anything we live stream that's festival related has a ton of engagement. People are super keyed into it. Um, it's something that they get excited about no matter what time of the year we're talking about it. Whereas if we go, you know, we've done a few live streams around our uh, regular theater season. Engagement's not quite there yet. So we're figuring out how to, <laughs> how to sort of that. that. Um, and I think too, like we've started storying quite a lot on Instagram in the last little while. We're seeing huge jumps in engagement there. Like even just last year, you know, we had something like 2,500 views. It was nothing great, but we jumped right. to 15,000 views in the last month. That's so, amazing. Yeah. And I think it's just because we are actually putting a concerted, consistent effort into that. It's just really exciting to see that engagement grow. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Okay. Can you share, uh, you know, so you, you mentioned varying levels of success, but uh, the Instagram story views uh, jumping that much uh, is significant. What, what else um, w would you say the Fringe has been successful with in the social media space um, or, or how would you define success online? Oh, man, there's just so much. Like, I think for us being able to constantly learn and adjust in response to the feedback we're getting from our audience is an incredible success. Our team is wildly creative and really does a lot with very, very little. <laughs> um, so we have learned how to stretch our budget to its absolute max, um, but we're also learning how to better engage with our followers and we're learning how to better tell our story. And I feel like um, this year for us, we're just starting to get to that tipping point. Um, in the next couple of weeks, you'll see we're um, rolling out a few video campaigns that sort of showcase uh, artists who have been fringing with us for a long time, volunteers who have been supporting the organization, and we're just allowing them to tell the story of Fringe. And ultimately, I think that's going to be way more powerful than any canned content we can create. Right. Um, it's just exciting to see that um, ownership over the festival, I think. In a real way. I mean, we also like remind our analytics like hawks. Um, <laughs> watch and we compare year over year. Um, one thing that I am always just amazed at is how incredibly high our engagement rates skyrocket during the festival. Right. So um, we have about 20,000 daily engaged users on Facebook mm -hmm. and we um, go up to about 8 million total impressions festivals. So it's, it's outrageous. Um, and Twitter, we're looking at like 8,000 impressions per day. Um, and we have an engagement rate that goes up to 1.7, which just feels like, <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, really, yeah. 
And I'm, I'm really interested just to see how Instagram performs for us this year. It wasn't something that we put a huge effort behind last year, but we're finding that our um, our demographic lives there more than we, I think, originally understood. Um, Perfect. I was really surprised to learn that our online demographic is quite young. Um, and, you know, we sort of have this idea of who the typical theater goer is in our right. minds. Um, you know, they're usually late 40s, early 50s, like uh, a little more established. Um, but the festival demographic is actually quite a bit younger. So um, that's really changed how we're approaching uh, how we share our content too. So. Cool. I love. Yeah. I love the idea of challenging what you know about your audience. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and challenging what uh, what what type of content they might be looking for from you and yeah. and on yeah. what platform. I think that's I, I think yeah. that's important not to get uh, set in your oh well Facebook's for old people and Instagram's for young people. Totally. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and one thing we're doing this year is we're sort of building like personal, like personas of who we know our demographic to be. So for instance, we know they fall within a certain age category. We know they have certain spending habits. We know they have certain interests. So we're giving them a name and, you know, and, and a personality. And so when we're building out our ad strategy and our content strategy, we're saying, okay, um, we know that Helen is our frequent fringer. She's in her fifties. Um, she's got two dogs. She loves to shop in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can really personalize our messaging right. a little. This is how that. we'll talk to Helen. Yeah. yeah, totally. Totally. And so we're adjusting our messaging depending on who we're talking to. So it's um, allowed us to give it a bit more of a personal approach than I think what we've done in the past. Um, and I'm excited to see how that plays out. I mean, it's a bit of an experiment and, and it may work and it may not. But, um, you know, at this point, I think it's just learning and adjusting as we go. For That's sure. great. So, so does the fringe do, um, you obviously do organic, uh, content and engagement, um, but you also do paid the, the paid ads and paid side of it. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, and during they sort of take on two different approaches. Um, so during the regular season, we do a lot of promotional advertising. So we offer, um, promotional codes that provide discounts on tickets to season shows. It's really about building out um, new audience. Um, mm-hmm. For us, one of the biggest challenges we have, um, you know, we have 133,000 people who come and buy tickets during the Fringe Festival. Um, and then we don't see most of those people during the year. So right. for us, it's about translating those folks who love theater during the Fringe Festival into theater buffs throughout the entire season. Right. Um, And so those um, promotional ads sort of help um, key into those audience demographics and hopefully encourage them to come and see theater. We find once we get them in the building, um, they're lifers, right? So (laughs) it's just getting them in the first place. Um, Whereas during the festival, we sort of have um, more key messages that we like to share. So we have something on our website um, which I love so much. Uh, the brilliant brains over at Kickpoint built us a randomizer. And oh, so great. I, uh, so if you're new to Fringe and you're overwhelmed by the incredible number of choices. There the are festival, a lot to choose from. There are a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're looking at close to 1,800 shows over 11 days. Um, you can just smash that randomizer and it will pick a show at random for you. Um, and it sort of takes the guesswork out of choosing. And um, so we'll have some social media paid ads focusing specifically on that like let us help you take a risk at the fringe that's fun uh, 
Yeah, it's going to be super fun. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then, of course, our biggest um, social media driver during the festival is our Golden Ticket contest. Right. Um, so we partner with ATB. Uh, we run this social media contest over the first, I think, eight days of the festival. Um, and it's everything from clues that if you answer correctly, you get an entrance into the contest or just encouraging you to share. My favorite one is um, share your review of a show using only emojis. Um, <laughs> and that'll get you, you know, an entry into the contest. And, um, you know, it's it's a pretty huge prize. You get 100 free tickets for the next festival. You That's get... Amazing, yeah. uh, on-site VIP parking, three-night stay at uh, the Barcelona Hotel on White. Like, it's a it's a pretty massive package. But we found that just, like, our engagement during the festival skyrockets. So we'll, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. So we'll have some ads that'll focus around that. And then just general awareness. Um, you know, like I said, our marketing budget is tiny. We actually don't spend a ton of money on um, promoting the festival generally. So we'll throw maybe a couple hundred bucks behind some, <laughs> some uh, social ads. But yeah, that's kind of the extent of it. That's great. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I think it's it's good to know or at least remind people that are in the social media and, and sort of digital marketing spaces that you don't necessarily need a huge budget to go far and make an impact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Be creative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick ad break and then we will uh, get back here and, and keep chatting with Megan Dart, a communications specialist with Fringe Theatre. This episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio and meeting spaces, as well as a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities. It's located in the historic McKenney building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown, including the Bay LRT station. Book a tour today at unitb.ca. All right, so we are back with Megan Dart, communications specialist with Fringe Theater. Um, Megan, you've been talking about smaller budgets. <laughs> I'm wondering <laughs> if, if your team is small as well. What does the social media digital team look like at the Fringe? <laughs> uh, we are a mighty team of two and a half. Um, mm. So and uh, a half, <laughs> yeah, two and a half. We have a, a an amazing um, part time social yeah. media communications assistant. Um, she's here with us very part-time during the season and then ramps up full-time during the festival. And then uh, it's myself as the communications specialist. So I manage all of our communications, our creative, our web and our social strategy. And then um, my counterpart is our marketing specialist. So she manages our ads, our promotions, our audience demographics. Um, but yeah, we're a small but mighty team. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what, yeah. do, what do you think... Um, you know, if you were bragging, <laughs> what do you think that the fringe has done really well uh, on social media? And and then on the flip side, where do you think there might be some opportunities uh, for improvements? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think things that we've done really well, I mentioned already the golden ticket contest, I think has done wonders for our engagement, as has the randomizer on our website. Those are two things that I'm incredibly proud of. Um, I think that taking a more personable tone 
um, just has done wonders in terms of customer service. Right. Um, one of the sort of mottos that we adopted during festival last year when um, talking to patrons was closing every conversation, whether it was on social media or in person at the box office or over the phone, was asking the question, how can I make your fringe awesome? Um, and we found that just by adopting that into everything we do, it's made such a huge difference in how people engage with us. Um, so I'm super proud of that. Um, things that I think we can do better, uh, we, I mean, translating audience, I think is continues to be our greatest opportunity. We, during the festival have 850,000 site visits. Wow sell 133,000 tickets. So there's a bit of a disconnect between folks who come to the site and folks who actually go uh, see theater. So for us, it's our goal to continue encouraging every printer to become a theater lover. Right. And, and alternatively, just translating those theater lovers into year-round fringers. So, you know, we are a creative hub of activity throughout the year. How do we get the those people in our doors, in our house, in our seats, um, all season long. So those are sort of our our biggest challenges, I think. Um, and then also just like managing the sheer volume of content that we have to share. <laughs> you know, we're talking to so many audiences throughout the year. Um, so just making sure that we we aren't uh, creating unnecessary noise, that our messages are really clear, um, that we're talking to the right audiences, that they know when we're talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's sort of a challenge that I think we're still figuring out. Um, but it seems to get better and clearer every year. Every yeah. year. Do you do you do a lot of planning uh, with the actual artists or the different venues that are hosting? Like, are you are you sharing social media, you know, key messages with them or encouraging them to participate as well? Is that part of of what the fringe does? Uh, Yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have an entire department that's just dedicated to uh, communicating with our artists and um, and and we definitely collaborate with them throughout the year. Um, On social, it becomes a bit tricky because we can't we can't um, showcase or promote one artist or one show over the other. We have to love all of our children equally. Um, (laughs) But what we do provide for our artists is a signal boost. So we encourage them to uh, tag us, to engage with us, to converse with us, um, and we absolutely help. um, We'll amplify that. that Yeah, yeah. So um, for us, it's just about really encouraging a conversation with our artists um, and helping them celebrate the fact that, you know, they're here, they're doing the thing. They put a lot of work into their show. Right. Like we we want people to come and see what they're doing, um, and we're we're happy to shout them out in that way. So, yeah. are there, you know, are there any surprising or maybe unexpected ways that, that you and the Fringe might be using social media that, that people might not realize? <laughs> um, actually, there's a couple things we're doing this year that I'm super excited about. Um, so uh, for the first time ever, we've created um, a series of gifts based on this Yay. year's food yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we have like wiggling monster horns and a wagging max tail um, and a dancing where the wild things fringe word mark. Oh, fun. Um, yeah, 
gonna be super fun. Um, we're also introducing a Snapchat filter that'll be available on the grounds during the festival. We tried it once in the past, it wasn't super successful, but I think we learned a lot from that experience. So we're excited to try it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of our interns right now is uh, researching Facebook AR filters, which nice. I'm like so excited about. So I think that'll be fun. Uh, and then the other big thing we're doing this year is um, the day after tickets go on sale. So tickets uh, go on sale at noon on August 7th this year. So on August 8th, we're launching a one-day online social media scavenger hunt. Oh, uh, yeah, that'll highlight some of our valued community partners and sponsors. So we'll get those partners and sponsors to host an online clue, either on their Instagram or their Facebook, their Twitter, mm-hmm. their website. And then we'll post clues throughout the day, driving traffic to those uh, to those channels. And then, of course, each correct guest wins a finger uh, and entry into our, our golden ticket contest. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to try it out. We're going to see how it goes. Um, but I'm kind of excited to partner with some of our, uh, our sponsors and our partners in the community to, to try it out and see how it goes. I yeah. like that. I like um I like that you're trying trying it out. I like that's yeah. you know I love I love that cuz so you're like aloof. We're trying it. We're we're seeing if that works. That's lovely. Um yeah. or that like the Snapchat filter you you don't know if that that was really that effective last, but let's let's try it again. Let's see. Let's let's tweak on that and then um yeah, and then see yeah. if it works this time. Uh is there yeah. uh, what's your what's your advice sort of on that note for uh, social media strategists or or community managers on you know, trying things. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's just to not be afraid to take a risk. And I fully acknowledge that I work in a very creative environment. (laughs) Um, I am also a theater creator. So taking risk is not uh, something that's scary for me, but I found that some of our biggest wins have come from um, just giving something a whirl and seeing how it goes and, and learning from that and listening the feedback that we receive um, and adjusting on the fly. But I think that taking those creative risks and celebrating them when they work has just worked out for us so well. Like just so excited to see where it goes from here. Uh, So we are going to take one more ad break and then we will return uh, and ask a few more social media questions to communications specialist Megan Dart with the Fringe Theatre. This episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kosofsky, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. So we're back with Megan Dart, communications specialist with Fringe Theatre. The largest, longest-running Fringe Festival in North America returns this August. Very, very exciting. Uh, The theme (laughs) is Where the Wild Things Fringe. (laughs) Uh, And sort of what I'm getting, I think, from our whole conversation is uh, just how fun you are. fun how fun the fringe is and yeah. i think you know i think there's something to be said about having fun with your social media <laughs> you know and you know appreciate that some people are in you know more, slightly more corporate uh slightly stiffer um type of industries uh but but 
when you can try to maybe, if that's your mantra, to just tr- try where you can, add a bit of fun, interject a bit of fun there. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Probably go a long way. Uh, what yeah. do you, in terms of, you know, you thought it was important this year um, or that it hadn't been done before to, to really figure out the the uh the personality of the French to personify yeah. that the, that account um and even to personify the audiences that you might be speaking to um what uh would you a would you recommend uh, <laughs> that other social media strategists and people in these roles do that um and and why uh you know why why is that effective when when you go that route why did you want to do that this year um I I mean. I learned so much in that process. Fringe is a 38-year-old organization with incredibly deep roots in the community. And for me, having folks in the room who have had a relationship with the organization for 30-plus years, alongside folks who are maybe joining us for the first time this year, really talk about what Fringe means to them, shed a lot of light for me, on what, how our audiences might perceive us and how they might choose to interact with us. And I think, too, we need to pay homage to the fact that this festival is Edmonton-owned, is Edmonton-grown. You know, it, it started as sort of this, like, grassroots uh, DIY revolutionary sort of arts festival that grew out of nothing. Um, and, you know, I think if you were to ask Brian Paisley, the founder of, of the Fringe Festival, if he ever expected it to get this large, um, I'm not sure if he ever did. So it was just it was a really exciting exercise in terms of learning where we've come from and where we want to go as an organization. And I think, too, just having the buy in from the folks who work here um, and having them be able to carry sort of our key messages out into the world and use them in their everyday um, interactions with patrons and volunteers and partners um, has just gone a long way to really personalize us as an organization. I think as a large event, it's sometimes really easy for folks to be like, well, they didn't do this or they didn't think of this. Whereas if you personalize it um, and you sort of put a face to all of those, you know, changes or, or um, all of those plans that are laid out that I think um, you just see more engagement back from your audience too. So it's gone a long way uh, in terms of personalizing us as an organization, really personalizing our audience, making it a lot more immediate and grassroots, which is just so true to who we are as an organization. And it gave us permission actually just to have fun. Like, I think along the way, we kind of forgot that that we could do that and that as an arts organization, it's kind of our job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people come to Fringe to have a really good time. And so we just wanted to keep that energy up all year long and it's paid off in spades for us. So, um, yeah, I think from a communication standpoint, like, absolutely, we'll learn so much um, just talking to the folks who live and breathe your organization every day. And you'd be surprised even with with sort of the reaction that you get because oh, people totally. people respond yeah. better when it when it feels uh, more fitting for the type for, yeah. for yeah your core uh, as as an organization. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I think that other folks have um, like an investment and a stakehold in who you are as an organization that really gives you a lot of really good perspective on how to better tailor your messages too. Right? Like it's it's saying thank you for for that support throughout the year. I think. You mentioned, yeah. you know, if there's changes, someone might someone might comment about a change. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I'm curious about how the fringe approaches 
negative comments that it might get. But positive comments too. I guess just any type of comment or interaction. Yeah. Are you? Uh, <laughs> is it reply to everyone? Is it whoa wait? Uh, do you have like a flow chart or, or what's what's that look like? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, during the festival, we receive just an overwhelming volume of communication from folks and. Absolutely. There are people out there who love to hate us and, you know, who uh, don't take change necessarily well. Um, but then there's also the people who just uh, just love this more than anything. You know, we have so many folks who take their entire vacation with us. We have folks who come and see upward of 50, 60 shows over the course of 11 days. Um, so I do genuinely think the folks who are here having a good time, who, who love this festival and what it represents outweigh any of the negative Nancys um, out there. But we do make an effort to respond to as many people as we possibly can. Um, and we end every, any conversation that starts in conflict, we end it with, how can we make your friends awesome? Right. Um, and I find that that just like really diffuses things. <laughs> They're like, like, oh, like, awesome. You like, I wanted to yell at someone. It's like, no, no, no. I will like, I, I personally have gone out and met people in the beer garden and bought them a beer and sat them down and said, Hey, what can I do to make your fringe more exciting? Like what, how can I make That's this wonderful? Awesome? Yeah. Um, and you know, oftentimes those conversations will start over Twitter or in a Facebook comment. Um, and I think just the more we can humanize it in the moment, the, the better we can diffuse those situations. And oftentimes it's just like, they were having a bad day and they didn't make it to their show on time and they're mad about it. And, you know, we just do everything we can to make sure that everyone's having a great time. I love that. Yeah. That's a great approach. Yeah. Uh, so year round, you mentioned um, making sure the channels are top of mind year round or that you're posting year round uh, is, is increasingly a, a focus. Cause it, and I, mm -hmm. I do find with most events, that is how it ends up happening is that there's a big sort of, social media content rush maybe in a couple months leading up to the event. Yeah. Sometimes even there's not social media activity on the day of the event because <laughs> yeah, you're right. so busy <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or you haven't, you know, yeah, I haven't factored that in. And then it's just, and then it just becomes dead. So I think that's probably yeah. a, a relatable, um, something very relatable for event planners, uh, or social media for events, uh, events. What, uh, how do you make sure that you that you have stuff to to post all year round or or you said you do have, you know, content to post year round and even then you weren't necessarily doing it. So so what are some tips or suggestions uh, to make sure that people can uh, make their staying top of mind all, all the time? Yeah, totally. I think for us, we've put a lot of concerted effort in the last couple of years to building out a really succinct strategy um, so as soon as the festival closes, we start planning for next year almost immediately. And we're at a point now within our marketing and communications team where we know where our peaks and valleys are going to be throughout the year. Um, and typically we are planning like a quarter out at a time. So we're only looking at a couple of months at a time because, of course, being in the world of event management and having so many different community events in our building, stuff changes. But we do the best we can to sort of project, it, you know, three months at a time. Um, we adjust on the fly. Um, but for us, it's just like celebrating everything that happens in this building and making sure that we are giving light to the fact that we're a creative hub all year round. And um, honestly, the more we've done that, the busier we've become. So it's sort of just this like self-generating mm -hmm. thing at this point, right? 
Yeah. Do you find people like, you know, behind, behind the scenes content? Does that that sort of thing work for you that they're excited that they see that that you're planning for the next fringe? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, we do a lot of that on our Instagram stories. So we've been sharing a lot of behind the scenes sneak peeks at like our festival production meetings um, and sort of introducing our staff in that way. And we find a lot of engagement with that. I think my favorite thing, though, that we did during our uh, on our stories this year uh, at the end of the festival last year, last year our theme was Fringosaurus Rex, and all of our staff were given like dinosaur eggs that hatched into dinos. Oh, that's and, awesome! Yeah, and a bunch of them got left in the staff room, but every day we came in, the dinos were doing something different. So sort of like an elf on the shelf kind of oh, idea. Oh, okay. Party or drinking the beer or <laughs> you know, snack shack, like they were just doing something different. And we storied about that for like almost a month for a and while. that was that was good for. usable content for you yeah totally. yeah um but it's just silly and I mean that's part of it right like we have a lot of fun here and I think it's a good thing to showcase the fact that we work hard and we and we support a massive beast of a festival but we're having a blast doing it yeah. I think it's a good tip um to look for something silly that still makes sense for your for your brand and organization but totally yeah that just people love people love to watch live streams of ducks like right crossing the street like oh yeah <laughs> and we're, we're super uh, dog friendly office too so we often have lots of puppers in the office <laughs> uh, I mean, they're big on our social channels. Oh, right. I have 100 percent. I'm like, if you can get a dog for your for your office, you're like, you're probably set for content. For a while. Right? Yeah. Uh, but don't abuse it. But, you know, it's it'll pro- people probably don't mind if you abuse it, though. Yeah, um, my final question is just, uh, you know, you shared a lot of great tips, I think, and insights today uh, about how the Fringe Theater operates. It's social and, and digital. Um just just some lasting takeaways for for the listeners you know they're uh maybe they've they're uninspired right now or 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 maybe they're you know they're itching for injecting some fun like uh or or they're just trying to convince their manager to let them be silly um what uh, what advice can you share for for listeners um oh man that's such a good question (laughs) i mean i think honestly around here it's just about having fun and taking creative risks and um, just really encouraging buy-in. You know, like when we sort of first crossed this bridge of um, ditching that corporate tone and and embracing sort of this rebellious punk attitude that Fringe was born of, um, once we explained it and we showed it, um, people bought in immediately, you know, our leadership team was like, yes, this is the thing that was missing. Um, so I think for us, it was just like doing a little bit of research and giving them some examples of how this would actually play out on our social channels in real time, um, became such an easy way for them to buy into taking that creative risk. And, and, you know, like I said, I'm so spoiled. I'm surrounded by a team of very creative uh, people who who jump at the chance uh, to take risks. But I think, too, it's just something that has spilled over into my other communications um, contacts, too, right? Like, mm-hmm. we sort of take that spirit of, but what if? What if we tried what this? What if we tried um, this? Yeah, totally. 
Perfect. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you. <laughs> this was fun. So thank you, Megan Dart, communication specialist with Fringe Theater. Fringe returns for its 38th year, August 15th to 25th. It's the festival to attend in Edmonton this summer. <laughs> Uh, hope you learned a lot everyone thank you for listening we will actually be taking a summer break now so our next episode will likely be back in september we hope you have a great rest of your summer um and uh yeah we're excited to well we're excited to take a break (laughs) right matt (laughs) matt matt the uh, matt our our audio producer extraordinaire is is excited to take a break (laughs) uh we're gonna roll some thank yous and credits for this podcast and uh again if you liked the episode please rate it please talk about it online and uh hope to see you at the fringe guys let's uh let's tweet about it too The podcast you are listening to today was produced by Matt Matischuk at the Nate Radio and Television Studios. The music bed for this episode was produced with the help of Doug Hoyer. The logo for Don't Call Me a Guru was designed with the help of graphic designer Rory Lee. Don't Call Me a Guru is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. (laughs) 